What did we just watch, Amy? We watched Godzilla Minus One, the new Godzilla movie. And Kevin can do all the explaining on how it fits in the Godzilla universe. But these are our first thoughts, which are unresearched, unrehearsed, with spoilers. So if you don't want uh, spoilers, go go watch watch, Godzilla Minus One. And then come back. Um, Yeah. Spoiler alert, it is a monster movie. Yeah. And the monster destroys some things. Also, spoiler alert, it's pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty uh, good. It's worth, uh, it's worth watching. Check it out. It was pretty good. Yeah. The end. Worth watching. Podcast over. Quick one. We don't do credits, but I've always wanted, I've always loved the, like, quick credits gag that some YouTubers do, where they'll, like, say a thing and then cut to credits. And then they'll actually come back and tell them the rest of the, their thoughts. Ah. But we don't have that. I guess we have Say Goodnight, Amy. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been smart. But nope, too late. The joke is passed. Yep. We've over-explained it. Uh, uh, so this is the new Godzilla movie. It's Japanese. It's a foreign film. Mm-hmm. Put and... out by Toho Studios, who've put out the majority of Godzilla films. By which I mean, like, all of the Japanese ones. But this is not related to the previous Japanese Godzilla Yeah, films. yeah. So, Godzilla can be broken up into some different eras um, that roughly share, if not story continuity, at least a stylistic continuity. So the original one was the Showa era. The era's generally are also named after the current emperor of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Emperor Showa was the emperor when the first Godzilla movie came out in 1953. And the first 12 or 13 Godzilla movies are in the Showa era. And then there was the... I think we're in the Heisea era now. I don't remember all the eras. Um, we're in the Reiwa era. Heisea era was second. I'm looking this up on Wikipedia right now. Or it could be Heisei. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the Japanese names. Um, but the, the current era, such as it is, is really only like two movies (laughs) that have no connection to each other which is shin godzilla which came out in 2016 and i have seen it is very good um and godzilla minus one which came out this year and is also very good and has no connection to the other one um other than there's a godzilla in both of them but there is there is no continuity between them each of them use godzilla in what many consider to be his purest form, which is an allegory for something. <laughs> uh, Going back to the original. Yeah. Shin Godzilla is very much about um, bureaucracy. Um, and this one is very much about trauma in post-war Japan. <laughs> and some PTSD. And PTSD, yes. That particular type of trauma. Yeah. Um, there, I've done enough stage setting. What did you think of it? Um, I I liked it. I don't think of monster movies having a lot of heart. 
like um, making you feel something. Mm-hmm. The besides, like awe oh no, wonder. Oh no, a Godzilla Maybe smashing some things. Suspense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this story had a lot of heart to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very involved with the people and and the story. I mean, it was very clear that Godzilla was a metaphor for. <laughs> trauma due to war mm-hmm. and, and PTSD, which, I mean, I do love my horror films to be a metaphor for uh-huh. something. Those those are my favorite kinds yeah. of of horror films. Um, and kaiju films are a, are a subset of horror films, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a, um, I would put them under. Yeah. And I was surprised that Godzilla showed up so early. In the film, mm. um, I expected it to come later, um, and Godzilla—I don't know—felt more secondary to the rest of the story going on t- mm-hmm. to me, like his appearances in a way that I don't think that like the U.S. versions of Godzilla, yeah, yeah, the Universal. Studios, Godzillas. (laughs) Where it's really about, like, let's get as many shots of the monster as we can. Well, historically, the best Godzilla movies, or the best kaiju movies, including the original Godzilla, are about the people. Because Mm -hmm. the people are the interesting part. The, The Godzilla are cool, but they're not deep or complex. Um... You gotta care about the people. And that's true, I think, of the original Godzilla, which, let the record show, I only watched for the first time this year, so. I've never seen. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. Um, People have definitely been calling uh, Godzilla Minus One the best Godzilla since the original. Um, And I don't, I haven't seen enough Godzilla to really make that, but it definitely stands up there with the original, I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of quality. Is this the first Godzilla film that's really been, um, since the original, set in right post-war Japan? Um, yes and no. So, the original Godzilla is set in what I might call, like, contemporary Japan. So it is in, like, the 1950s. So definitely post-war, but a little bit further out. Um... Which I think is part of the joke about the title of this one. Like, titles or whatever. They can just be... They don't have to explain themselves. But the idea of this is even closer to the war. I think that's part of the the naming convention. Like, it's a Godzilla that takes place before the original. Yeah. Godzilla. So if that's Godzilla Zero, this is Godzilla Minus One. I don't know. I, I might be I reading too much the, into the it. The name was like, okay, we killed the first Godzilla. Now comes <laughs> the second one. So we're minus one. We're down we, one Godzilla. Down one. Now we're waiting for the next one. Yeah. And that could be two. Um, titles don't need to mean a lot. They can just be titles. Um, but I thought that might be why it was called that. But then generally... Most of the Godzilla films that happened were contemporaneous to when they were released. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Shin Godzilla, which came out in 2016, could have been set in 2016. And all of the other Godzilla movies were were not, to my knowledge, period pieces in the same way that this one was. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, set 
now, for lack of a better term. I wondered in this film of um, post-war Japan if Hiroshima had happened. Because um, they show the destruction of Tokyo, which like burned down. Yeah, it was um, firebombed. And most of Tokyo were wooden structures. So mm-hmm. It was completely destroyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wondered if Hiroshima... Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thought. I don't know. Godzilla's death ray is seems to be akin to a nuclear yes. bomb. Well, it's it's called his atomic breath in other iterations of of the film or the, of the creature for that very reason. I mean, Godzilla originally was really a metaphor for mm-hmm. the nuclear bombs. Yeah. What do you do with unstoppable destruction mm-hmm. how do you how do you comprehend and deal with that mm-hmm. um and that i would say is not what godzilla is a metaphor in this one really it's not really about the imperialness of it it is about the human aftermath of war mm-hmm. really dealing with the ptsd yeah of uh, soldiers coming back mm-hmm. from the war mm-hmm. rather than dealing the trauma of losing civilians. Yeah. Because the majority of the characters are former soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some of that to it. Uh, back to your point that I think we started off with. Is it was surprising to see Godzilla this early. I was surprised when we first saw Godzilla at how little he was. Oh, yeah. I was trying to wrap my head around him. Like, I've, I haven't seen much of the trailers. I've tried to minimize my trailer um, knowledge of this one. But watching Godzilla kill people in the early part of the film, I was like, this, is, this seems very small for a Godzilla. Mm-hmm. He should be bigger. Uh, and then he got bigger. So that's, that's fine. Um, and it's it's... It was very impressive to me how little, like, work they did to tell you about why he got bigger. They, like, flashed Bikini Atoll, uh, you know, 1946, and they showed you a mushroom cloud, and then they showed you Godzilla's face. And it was like, that's it. That's all you need to know. Moving on. <laughs> he got hit by a nuclear bomb, and he got big. And he got big. Don't worry about it too much. Although, um, again, going back to... I do want to talk about this movie, not just the original Godzilla. The original Godzilla's skin texture was meant to be reminiscent of the burns of the aftermath survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right, like, going back to how much yeah. Godzilla was about the bombs, the atomic yeah, bombs. Yeah. Um, not just the war. Not just the war, but specifically the atomic bombs. Um, whereas this one again was was not making it about the bomb itself. It was about the entirety of the impact of the war on these soldiers and how do they deal with that and this struggle to have fought in a war and lost in a war and kind of what does that do to a person when it's over? Well, and I think the film also works from a perspective that the war was kind of pointless. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that's the perspective it's portraying. Yeah, like was what, it, what was this for? It wasn't for? a noble endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, they were under-resourced. 
they don't they didn't know what they were fighting for mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of regret like, yeah what and and how do you deal with that and then also a godzilla shows up and that's a whole hassle in and of itself so yeah i don't know if if the atom bomb was dropped in this particular universe it was never mentioned. No. So the the only destruction that they show from from the war is Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and the after uh, impacts of that. Well, and you have the end of the main character Shikishima. Mhm. Who his regret of the war is he I think he feels like a coward. The word coward was never used. At least it was never translated as, as such, coward. Yeah. Um, but he had multiple chances to like give his life up for the war. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't do it. And he specifically didn't do it. He saved his, his own life. And he yeah. lives with that regret and, and guilt and yeah, shame. And, and the fear that he could have made something, had he been willing to die for the cause, so to speak... He might have made things different. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's also pretty clear that the movie doesn't agree with that. Like the movie is like about him learning that that wasn't he shouldn't have died, and him sort of coming to grips with the idea that like a noble sacrifice doesn't actually make a benefit most of the time. Well, I mean, early on in the movie when he first lands on Odo Island, the mechanic. Uh, Tachibana mm-hmm. he says to him, like, why would you want an honorable death for a pointless war? Yeah. <laughs> and um, something to something that, that effect. effect, yeah. And that's what I felt like um, when Shikishima doesn't get in the plane to shoot Godzilla at the mm-hmm. beginning of the film mm-hmm. to save the other um, people on the island that would be an honorable way to die, but pointless. Like, he wasn't going to actually yeah, kill... Yeah, it's not going to kill Godzilla. <laughs> the machine guns from his plane were not going to kill even small Godzilla. Even baby little Godzilla, yeah. That, so that was another honorable way to die a pointless death. Yeah. Um, which he didn't do. Uh, I really liked the movie, Amy. I enjoyed it. I also, um, like I said, I felt like it had a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. I was more interested in the characters than I was in um, Godzilla. Like I said, Godzilla kind of feel secondary. The movie wasn't an excuse to watch Godzilla break stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, I also really liked the music score to it. Right? They were different themes for the different characters. um, And... It was just very exciting and vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It was it was really... I noticed the score, which I don't usually do. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> when was the last time I really noticed a music score yeah. um, for a film? And a lot of them are uh, real banal real generic Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but this one felt like it had character and it was part of the story it it upped your emotional oh yeah uh input um experience Mm -hmm. 
I thought the boat that they were on to set mines off yeah. reminded me of the boat in Jaws. Oh, interesting. And then, I mean, Godzilla comes and attacks the yeah. boat. And, the, it, yeah. and that just reminded me of of the boat in Jaws. I, I certainly see that. That was a very scary scene for what it's worth. Like mm-hmm. that, they did a really good job of making me like, like, okay, sure. We've got this guy, Shikasima, who's the main character, but also like, I never fully expected him to like make it out of any of the situations he mm-hmm. was in. Um, I fully was like, yeah, he could die in this scene mm-hmm. and they would just move the film somewhere else and follow something else with it. Um, he didn't feel like he had main character armor. Um, I mean, he, he does survive throughout the whole film. Spoilers. Um, but it never felt like a foregone conclusion. Yeah. With that scene in, when they're setting off mines and they're trying to use the mines to, to fight, uh, Godzilla. fight Godzilla, which is like a David versus Goliath. Yeah. They're it's never a terrible gonna... plan. <laughs> never gonna work and and it was tense and scary in a way that like godzilla smashing through a city is not to me now i'm just like immune yes godzilla's really big he knocks down buildings (laughs) he has nuclear breath like okay that's that's not scary to me Mm -hmm. it's it's too big to be scary almost it's it's well, and it's unstoppable. Yeah. So there's no, like, tension. Yeah. Because it's just unstoppable destruction. Yeah. So so having the characters on the boat, on the, the minesweeper boat, I guess, um, it, it made you feel like they felt, which is, you know, can they pull this off? Can they do something? Will this make a difference? Or is this another futile task that they have been set by the government to stall for time, mm-hmm. to die a pointless death? Um, and they didn't die, which is good. Uh, but a lot of other people did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and I asked you before we went to see this, or I told you... Mm-hmm. Last night before we went to see it, um, I don't really understand the fascination with kaiju. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not the target audience. <laughs> I just don't get it. Yeah, um, they're huge, big creatures, and they destroy things. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them a million times before. <laughs> so, what is the fascination with kaiju? I don't know that I have an answer for that. Like, it's, it's, um, I think the, I don't want to say the worst kaiju, but I think the least serious kaiju films are just about smashing stuff. And that's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not deep or meaningful. It's just fun. You know, when you're a kid, you like to roam around and stomp on things. You build a sandcastle and you smash it down because mm-hmm. it's fun. And I think some of the Godzilla films and other kaiju films are very much about it's fun to smash things and not any deeper than that. Like Pacific Rim is like robots versus kaiju. Yeah. 
And it's it's doing that to just have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Pacific Rim does a really good job at having fun. Yeah. But it's not trying to make a point. <laughs> it is um, it is a popcorn film derogatory. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I found Pacific Rim entertaining. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a very well-made movie about giant robots fighting mm-hmm. kaiju. Yeah. Giant monsters. I haven't seen the Universal Godzilla. I think I saw the first one, which I feel like had Matthew Broderick in it. Yeah, that one is a, a, a further independent. That's Godzilla 2000, which is not part of the current Universal slate of Godzilla films. Okay, well, I don't remember really liking... It's not very good. <laughs> the Matthew Broderick <laughs> one is not very good. Yeah, I don't remember really liking that one. <laughs> That's the one where Godzilla shows up in Manhattan. Yes. And, and then there were a lot of eggs. Yes. And I think there are eggs now in the universal ones. Maybe Probably. It's Mo- Monarch, the, yeah. the one that just came out on Apple TV+. Yeah. We watched Godzilla v. Kong. I think we did a podcast we about did. it. We yeah. did watch that. And that was also very silly. Yeah, that was like Hollow Earth stuff. (laughs) Like, let's just watch Kong versus Godzilla fight. That was the whole point. That's the whole point of the movie. But I knew that going in. Mm -hmm. And and that's why, like, I just don't understand the fascination because it's the same thing over and over. Yeah. Um, Cool big monsters. Cool big monster fight. (laughs) Breaking things. Fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also reading John Scalzi's, one of his latest books. The um, Kaiju Preservation Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that. I liked it. It's very fluffy. Yeah, and I, I as I'm reading it, I'm going, okay, what's the fascination here with <laughs> Kaiju for, for your readers and your audience? And when, I mean, the book, too, I'm about two-thirds the way through, and I'm still going, okay. Going, okay, what is this book about? Oh, it's like, not about anything. What is the story here? It's not about anything. And it's only about, hey, there's some cool kaiju living on this planet. Yep. When we're going to study them. That's what the book's about. That is it. For context, um, and this might be in the afterword when you get to it, but um, Scalzi wrote that book very early on in pandemic. So, like, in 2000. 20. And, 20. 2020. 2000, 2000 was a long time before the <laughs> pandemic. Was it? What is time? Yeah. I don't know. Pandemic is still going on. Um, in 2020, he he was apparently writing something else that was very serious and very depressing. And he was like, this is making me miserable. And so he's like, I'm going to write a silly book about kaiju. And that's what he did. And that's great. You know, sometimes you need a very silly book about kaiju. And that's what he made. (laughs) Um, But it is not, it doesn't have a deeper meaning or a more interesting anything going on. Well, there's not a plot per se. No. (laughs) The plot is a guy learns there's a secret kaiju preservation society. And then... (laughs) Although, like some of Scalzi's other books, I do feel like uh, the gender of the protagonist is unclear. Pronouns are never used in reference. You know, I didn't notice that. Now I'm going to have to go look again. And the name is Jamie, which is... Is uh, potentially gender neutral. mm -hmm. Fascinating. I'm going to have to go look that up. Like, I'll just pull the book up. I have it on my my Kindle. Um, 
I didn't even think to look at that. That's so fascinating. Well, I just feel like, you know, that Scalzi did the, that in some of his other books. Yes. So, I, I was on the lookout. Yeah, no, that's definitely... Yeah, well, he did it in... Um, we're getting so far off track. So far off. Godzilla Minus One. It's real good. Watch it. Um, he, did, he did do it very intentionally in... Uh, uh, Lock-in. Lock-in. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I can't remember what the series was yeah. called. Lock-in and uh, Head-on was the sequel, which were both real good. Um, but on the lighter side of Scalzi. <laughs> Scalzi can do, like, serious stuff, and then he can do silly stuff. Uh, I think the Old Man's War stuff is pretty serious. I think uh, the Collapsing Empire stuff is pretty serious. But Kaiju Preservation Society is uh, is not. <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, it's on the silly end of kaiju movies. Do you have any of thoughts um, about Godzilla minus one? I so I saw something that I saw another review that called it a melodrama, which it is. An, it, it is, is it kind of predictable. Yeah. Um, arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was interested in that because. So often we see melodrama used as a pejorative. Mm-hmm. And this, in this case, in the review, it wasn't being used pejoratively. Um, it was used just sort of as a neutral descriptor. Um, but I tend to think of melodrama as being flatter than what we've got here. Mm. Um, again, not as a, a negative or a positive. I mean, Star Wars is a melodrama, but the characters aren't particularly deep in Star Wars, no matter how much they try to be. <laughs> um, whereas this was, to me, this felt like a character drama where also Godzilla shows up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is how I would describe it. I wouldn't use the term melodrama in that case. Like, it is a drama. And also Godzilla's here, and that's making things worse. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of, like, super deep thoughts of it. Other than, like, man, this is a really good movie. It was real good. I like it when Godzilla movies are real good. I'm invested in the characters. I'm invested in the metaphor. Yeah. Um, got me feeling stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't think their trick to drop Godzilla to the bottom of the ocean and then back up was going to work. I, I mean, that was one of the predictable parts. Is like that's <laughs> that's that not going to work. I was surprised there was an ejection seat in the plane. I was expecting him to die and finally have his kamikaze death. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wondered about the ejection seat only because there were a couple of things. Where, like, he looked at the seat specifically. I, I see that now, yeah. now that I know. I noticed it at the time. I'm like, he's staring at that seat in the plane rather well, than anything and else. And they made a comment earlier about the war and the wasted lives, and they didn't put ejection They didn't put ejection seat. seats in they their planes. Yeah. They didn't put ejection seats. Yeah. And that, and that made me... I, I don't know much about the Japanese side of World War II. Mm-mm. And then that made me wonder, I was like, oh, is that why you had kamikaze pilots? Because... You didn't put ejection seat, e- yeah, ejection seats in the planes. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was a uh, which came first situation of like you don't put an ejection seat in a kamikaze's plane because you don't expect them to survive, or 
you have kamikaze pilots because you didn't, you didn't, put, a, you didn't put an ejection seat in their plane. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, don't, I, I don't... I feel like we don't learn about that part of the war. No. That's not where w- films about war, World War II are set. Yeah. Um, we don't get that perspective. But I also wonder, like, how much of... For the Japanese audience of this film, how much of that gap exists where it maybe doesn't exist as much in their knowledge Yeah, uh, compared to, you know, what we know about the U.S. theater of war and, or, you know, the stuff we've been taught in our schools. About the Germans. About the Germans mm-hmm. and fighting there. And it's just a, an interesting thought. Um, I was thinking about how it really... Um like humanizes the Japanese mm-hmm. um, as soldiers in World War Two, in a way that I was thinking about. Like you would never have a film set in Nazi Germany that would humanize the Nazis. Yeah, you never ever have that. Yeah. And that's just the World War Two. I'm sure there are other. Yeah. I'm trying to think wars about we could that. think about like I could see, I mean I would see a film that humanizes the Vietnamese um, yeah or, well that's so complicated <laughs> there's a lot of humans involved in the Vietnam conflict yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of complicated situations going on there <laughs> and I think I mean, they're not trying to humanize the Japanese because it's a Japanese film. Yes. Like, so <laughs> they're not seeing themselves as the enemy as mm-hmm. we are taught in the... Yeah, but also, like, I think, you'd, them, I, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a German film that treats the German soldiers the same way. Germany has very much done a lot of work to distance themselves from the genocide they did. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular genocide that they did, um, but also like I, I, I just don't know enough about the Japanese participation in the war. To, to I don't either. Well, it makes you think of the book All Quiet on the Western Front, which is written by from the narrator is a German soldier during World War One. I've never read it. So interesting. And it does. It's all about the war is pointless. Yeah, war bad. <laughs> If I remember, I mean, I hadn't read it since high school. So yeah, I could be remembering incorrectly. Oh, the, they weren't Nazis yet. No, uh, in World War One, that was later. But it just—I don't know. It made me think like we're at a distance time-wise now, where a U.S. audience can watch this and feel for mm-hmm. the Japanese soldiers. Yeah, which... I mean that's that's a fair point. I mean, my grandfather's fought in the Pacific theater of... Well, one of them did. I don't know about the other. They were both in the war. But one of my grandfathers was literally stationed on a tiny island in the Pacific, not unlike the Oto Island in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing communication interception, so he wasn't frontline. But uh, it's, yeah, interesting how that how time has shaped that perspective a little bit. 
I don't know enough to have a, a strong opinion. Like I, said, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know much about that side of, yeah. of the war. Uh, and most of what I know has been filtered through U.S. centric perspectives, which mm-hmm. do need to be taken with that in mind. Um, I've heard Spielberg's specific miniseries is real good. On World War Two, yeah. Or, okay. Well, because he did he did Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. and then he did a counterpoint. Band of Brothers was about the German front. German front, and the Pacific was about the Pacific front. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it, so I don't know anything about it. And I don't know how accurate or not it was. Switching gears entirely, uh, I was, not in the moment, but afterwards, really impressed by how good the CGI was in the film. Um, Mostly in the sense that it didn't feel like mediocre CGI that I'm Mm -hmm. so used to in a lot of big blockbuster films of this era. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This era being, you know, now. Um, I've seen various discourses online about like, why, how come the CGI in, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 looks better than most of what comes out today? Yeah. Um, the answer is, uh, you have to work hard and pay people a lot of money yeah, to make it good. you have to spend the money and you have to take the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. And, uh, but what if we just churned out some garbage instead? You know, it was one of the most fascinating things to me that Godzilla creature was its eyes. Oh, uh, like it's eyes. Eyes looked alive. Uh huh. They were and really they added were to the terrifying. Of Godzilla, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever made that observation for a monster. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Man, those eyes. Yeah. But it's but. Like, at no point when I'm watching all of this do I care at all about the CGI because it's so effective that it becomes invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards I can go back and go, wow, that was really impressive. <laughs> um, like when, when we see his atomic breath powering up for the first time, when we watch his little spikes on his tail and the music is swelling and we know what's about to happen and it's terrifying. And at no point was I going, man, that that's all, none of that's real. It's all fake. Um, because... They spent the money and time and effort to make it good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is nice. It's nice when you got good effects. Yeah, yeah, that is true. When you don't notice them because yeah. they're done well. Because you're just in the moment of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, I we rag on this a lot, but it's so much better than two superheroes throwing laser beams at each other in a mm-hmm. generic background. <laughs> which I've seen so many times and is never interesting, (laughs) but is as cheap as they can possibly make it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I liked that. Any other thoughts? The kid that played Akiko, Uh I don't know how they got her to do some of the things. Like, to say some of the lines Mm -hmm. and do some of the things she did because she was under two. Yeah, she was very young. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed. Yeah, I I did think about that a couple times. Like, how how are we we doing this? There's always a little bit of an ethical thing I have about child stars or child actors Mm -hmm. just because I've seen so many horror stories about being a child actor. Um, so I always do wonder that a little bit in the moment of like, mm-hmm. what's, what's going on here? How much did they know and understand? How are we acting? 
Are we reacting very earnestly to something that's happening? I don't know. Because um, it's hard to tell what's fiction and what's not when you're two years old. Mm-hmm. Or under two. Um, although good at screaming. Akiko was, yeah. was real good at screaming in ways that made me feel real bad. <laughs> I think, I think that was okay. the last of my thoughts. Cool. Do you want to talk about the Preeves? We never get to talk about Preeves because we don't yeah. watch Preeves. Yeah, there were so many commercials. There were a lot of commercials. I was real real tired of the there, commercials. I think there are more commercials than there were previews. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down the, the numbers of the of the uh, I wrote down the names of the Preeves because I can never remember them after the fact. So we can just go in order. Uh Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's not interesting to me. <laughs> All I could think was, that's a terrible name for this movie. (laughs) Like, even if I'm interested in it, which I'm not really, I've not seen any of the new Apes movies, but I was just thinking of, like, Kingdom of the Planet. Like, that's... That's a lot of prepositions there. Yeah, well, and they've been doing that because they had, like, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And, like, I get it that that's the structure we're using now, but, like, those are verbs, it's different to have verb, like, like, you know, to, to dawn, to rise, the kingdom of the planet, kingdom like lo- location of the location. It's like, meh, I don't know that I love that. Well, then talk about CGI. That's obvious CGI. Yeah. Well, the the apes, there are obviously CGI. Uh, the main ones are, are all mocap. Cool. They still look CGI <laughs> to me. <laughs> they don't look realistic. They look... They look Good, fake. let's hire actors to do mocap. Fine, yeah. but then do the CGI good. <laughs> because the CGI does not look any different to me than the previous Planet of the Apes ones, and the technology has half like has improved. We could have I'm done sure. it better. We could have made it look better. <laughs> like technology just, must continue to improve as the years go by. Yeah, now we just slapped good enough on it and moved on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't pay for that. Uh, then there was Argyle. Yeah, I watched the preview of that on well, Apple we, TV. Yeah, we always saw it on Apple TV because we I were like, what's that? I think it looks fun. I think it looks fun. Uh, Matthew Vaughn, you know, Kingsman was fun. Um, what was the other one they, they referenced in the trailer that he did? I don't remember. I don't remember. But uh, it looks fun. A little fun spy fun movie. Spy. With kind of ridiculous special... Not yeah. Fit, yeah, special effects. Yeah. The premise fights. of it being about an author who accidentally writes a spy novel where everything actually happened mm-hmm. is is interesting. I like that as an idea. Yeah, that's a different, different way to get into the spy yeah. movie. Uh, the cat does look real fake, though. Oh, yeah. The cat looks <laughs> At no fake. point do I think that's a real cat. <laughs> Which is fine. I don't think we should be throwing cats off buildings. Um, yeah. Uh, then there was Civil War. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't really want to talk about it. It's just a little too close to... I'll say the one comment I had. Um, first of all, it's such a generic, boring title. Well, yes. But also... In the in the context of the film, it it seems in the trailer that Texas and California seceded together. Yeah, that was very confusing. <laughs> I like, thought maybe well, what did they agree like, on? What what was the inciting incident that those two states decided to secede? The way my brain filled in the gaps was that Texas seceded and then California seceded, and then they were 
two separate <laughs> entities representing two different ideologies. Yeah, that's fair. That's from uh, Alex Garland, the guy that directed Annihilation and... Yeah, I, I saw the the director had yeah. directed several things I liked. Yeah. Uh, Ex Machina. Uh-huh. I haven't seen Ex Machina, but I'm sure it's... Ex Machina is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Annihilation is real good. Um, but, like, they're all, like, philosophical sci-fi movies, and this doesn't feel akin to that in ways that I have trouble putting my fingers on. Um, I don't know. It, it the, the trailer felt very didactic in a way that I didn't care for. Like I said, I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to explore <laughs> those possibilities in, That's fair. in fiction. And we'll move it's the not next, for me. The next preve. Dune 2! I mean, <laughs> I gotta say, the visuals look really cool. Yeah, it's a very Dune. impressive visual movie. And I think that Dune itself also had really cool visuals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going on for it. And then that, like, tempts me into... <laughs> Wanting to see it. Well, we'll just we'll just go and we'll turn off the dialogue, <laughs> so we don't we'll have to know what the they're saying. Pictures. We'll just look at the pretty special effects. Um, yeah. Oh, I did see a funny thing. Um, what's the lead actor's name in Dune? Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. He got in trouble for spoiling something that happens in Dune from the I, books. I mean. <laughs> I think the spoiler limits up yeah, for Yeah, he's June. like, the book is like 70 years old, or 50 years old, I don't know how old it is, but I think it came out in the 50s, so that's 70 years old. And he, he spoiled that one of the one of the characters dies. Mm -hmm. I'll say who it is, because I don't care. Duncan Idaho, the guy played by Dave Batista, dies. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's not a big deal. The book's been out for 70 years. <laughs> uh, but apparently some of the studio execs were mad about him talking about that. Um, which is even funnier because in the later books, he comes back to life mm. um, and shows up multiple times again. He keeps dying and then coming back as like a clone or something. I don't know. It's, don't think about the story of Dune too much <laughs> or the technology. Um, all right, two more. Uh, Freud's last session. Well, they just look boring. It looks so boring. <laughs> Let's just watch Freud and Lewis debate philosophical points on uh, religion and science. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that's someone's cup of tea, and yeah. that's fine. I it felt like, um, oh, this is this is going to be mean. Uh, it felt like the sort of play that we read at our Friday night play reading and then just move on from. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, someone wrote that. Okay. Pass. Wouldn't this be an interesting thought experiment if we created yeah. the dialogue between a meeting between Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis? Yeah. And you know what? It's entirely possible they could have met. C.S. Lewis hung out with a lot of people. He hung out with Tolkien. I, I don't know. I, don't I just, know. I'm not interested. <laughs> All right, last one. ISS. A terrible name. <laughs> Up there with Civil War for... Yeah, you know, titles are hard. Titles though. are hard. Titles are hard. Titles are real hard. Um, yeah, again, not interesting to me. <laughs> it's very premise heavy. Very premise heavy. I don't know. I don't need to see 
U.S. versus Russian astronauts uh, take over the space station. I would have been much more interested if it instead was, oh no, they're all fighting down there, but we're friends up here. How do we deal with that? Or like, let's work together to like, I don't know. Figure out what to do with this situation. Yeah. You know, hey, we've lost contact. Our governments are at war. We don't know what's going on there. We can't impact anything. Um, But then it looks like it just turns into let's fight in space, which is much less interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you're listening to this podcast, go watch For All Mankind on Apple TV+. Plus. It's real good. And is much more interesting about Russia-U.S. conflicts in space. Yeah, I they got to the title though, and I was like, "Really? That's the best title we could come up with." The location of the movie. <laughs> all right, that's all the previews. Do you want to tell them about our Patreon? Yeah, we have a Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash Five Degrees. You can support us. It's on a uh, per episode basis. And you can set a monthly cap if you don't put out ten episodes and you don't want to pay to for ten episodes. Ten episodes, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's really fine. Um, there are two perks. One is you get the super duper unedited version from the moment we turn on the microphone to the moment we turn it off. And yeah, there today, was some exciting stuff today that happened. Today there was like a whole two or three minutes <laughs> of the microphone being on. Before we started the podcast yeah. where nothing exciting happened. Um, I mean, something exciting happened. Not like Godzilla-level excitement, no. but... <laughs> uh, that's one perk. And the yeah. other perk is you get a list of movies we did not watch. Because Kevin usually gives me a list of five movies. And I pick one. And we watch it. Yeah. And it just helps support uh, server costs and... We also have a website, it's five degrees between dot us. Did I get it all? We thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, you're awesome. Rate us and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have at least one more episode come out soon. Is it, does this count as our Christmas episode or is that going to be the next one? I think the Christmas episode was supposed to be about a Christmas movie. Okay. A movie that has Christmas as its subject. But I think that it was supposed to come out before Christmas to count as the Christmas episode. Well, this one's coming out before Christmas, so... We haven't watched a Christmas movie yet. Christmas well, is in two this, days. This, movie's com- this podcast is coming oh. out before Christmas. I mean, we're going to watch a, movie, a Christmas movie tomorrow. We can do a podcast then. Uh, anyway, we don't have a release schedule, so... <laughs> yeah, you also hold on to episodes for months at a time. I'm going to try and release this one before Christmas. <laughs> All right, say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.